This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 162. This week, Alex and Charlotte chat about their trips to Slovenia, comparing the lively capital to the country's rural landscapes and restaurants. They explore field-to-fork cooking, orange wines and herb-infused spirits, as well as the influence of neighbouring Italy on Slovenia's cuisine. Okay, so Slovenia... What do we know about Slovenia? Well, it's got a very small population. It's about 2 million when you think that London is wow. 9 million. Yeah. That's pretty small. <laughs> and I think what's most unique about it is its location because it's in between Italy, Austria, Hungary and Croatia. So it's got lots of influence in that respect. Uh, I first went about nearly 20 years ago. Where, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't realise it was... On a family holiday, because our parents always took us to really biz- bizarre, at the time, places. And no one had heard of it then. It yeah, was... even now, when I said I'd been, people people were like, Ljubljana. It's something to do with the name, both of Ljubljana and Slovenia. Yeah. Sound quite different to other places in that area. And it actually only stops becoming part of what was then Yugoslavia in 1991, I think. So it's quite a, a new place yeah. to go to. Uh, I think you mainly focused on Ljubljana, the capital. I did, yes. Yeah, so um, I definitely want to explore the countryside a bit more, and you're going to talk about that, aren't you? But um, yeah, I went to Ljubljana uh, a couple of months ago for an olive uh trip okay. which is lovely uh, very lucky and um i wrote a weekender uh, which is coming out in the september issue okay. i think but my guide is online as well so if anyone wants to check that out do um but it was such a um, as you say quite un not unknown but people don't necessarily go to it like they would so like rome or paris yes. or um but it's one of the most beautiful little cities um I've been to and crazy clean very clean yeah so they they were the green capital of Europe I think Europe in 2016 yeah Yeah. I think so um and there's there's a lot of focus on sustainability and green but even green in both senses because it's so lush and green and you get you can go up to the castle you can climb do you climb the tower I didn't. I'm not a big fan of climbing. No. Okay. <laughs> well, it wasn't that high. But um, when you looked at the city from like, from the top of the tower, you could see the whole city. And mm. it was incredible how green it was mm. and how, you were saying to the population, mm. how few buildings there were in yeah. the city. And there's a huge park in the middle of the city that you can get lost in. It's got forests and then a bit of more like a manicure garden kind of area but um on to the food yes uh so I actually thought uh I was really pleasantly surprised again by the food because sometimes people say those countries which is I'm not saying I think this but people think that those countries are just all about like sausages and like hearty like sauerkraut and Mm. things like that but 
the food scene is incredible, especially mm. in the past few years. I think it's really, really thrived. And um, there's some really great bistros from really young chefs who are doing fabulous things. So we we went to one called Monstera, which um, opened a few years ago. And that's kind of the, the place of the moment in terms of dine. You know, there's a lot of... Uh, restaurants that are opening in London over the past few years that are between fine dining and casual mm. uh, which I love um, and they that's owned by a chef called Binevolkik again uh, some great pronunciations here I, I think um, <laughs> and they he focuses on Slovenian produce um, and he has an amazing tasting menu and it's set menu each night but you can ask if you're vegan or they're really good at catering to vegans vegetarians gluten-free etc mm. um and we had an amazing succession of dishes including like grilled asparagus on goat's cheese spuma with bee pollen panna cotta and lamb shoulder that was accompanied by like this wispy these wispy wild hops um and then these like cig- these phyllo cigarettes stuffed with uh, goat's cheese and things and then um the dessert was amazing. It was the star anise meringue with fresh strawberries and baked white chocolate crumbs, which was incredible. So there's a real commitment to like the produce yes. and um, stuff. I noticed that when when I've been three times and it's, that's always been a constant and it's almost second nature, I think, to Slovenians. It, they didn't really advertise the facts when I was there. No. It's just taken as standard, whereas... Over here, that would be a big selling point. Mm-hmm. You know, we are farm to fork, whereas there it's just, well, yeah, what else yeah. would we be? Because I, I went on a, a, a tour of the city and with um, a Slovenian man and he said that everybody grows their own produce because they've got so much space as well. Yes. So everyone grows tomatoes, everyone grows like courgettes. Everyone, and yeah. so they think if they're eating out, then obviously they expect it to be very local yeah like homegrown yeah you went to some amazing places outside of Ljubljana didn't you yes we um we did a road trip around Slovenia sometimes crossing into Italy because it's literally next yeah, door um and I found the same thing uh, a lot of um, local herbs being used there was one place we went to which was in the Vipava Valley which is a great place to go on holiday just you could just go there and have a great time uh, one of the restaurants that we went to was called Majorija uh, it was a restaurant with rooms just outside a village called Slap great which I thought was great, great. Um, and within a kilometre radius of that restaurant, you could pick more than 40 different herbs. Wow. And they made um, a basil liqueur from five different types of basil. Amazing. Most of us can probably only name one type of basil. And they, the herbs and flowers would mould the menu instead of just being accompaniments or garnishes. So we had things like dandelion leaves that were fried in a tempura batter um, that came with wildflower honey. We had chives that were served whole, you know, chives with this this sort of pretty flower. Mm -hmm. It looks a bit like a lollipop. Oh. They were served whole and they're very bitter. Uh, So that that added a different element on a plate. And uh, for dessert, I think we we had sage sorbet with sorrel. So the really sorrel is very citrusy. So the, the, I've never had sage sorbet before. Um, so they, they really do put it at the centre of the meal as opposed to just being a side. 
Uh, we also had things like mutton rolled in juniper and coffee and, and the, oh, wow. the mutton from where you were sitting, you could see the mountainside that it once roamed on. <laughs> so it was, it was sometimes a bit too close for comfort. Yeah. <laughs> and, Good to know where it's coming from then. Yes, yeah. Uh, and they had rooms there which were underneath their herb garden. So there was Interesting. basement How did that work? rooms. So oh, they had okay. sort of massive Velux windows at ground level. So it wasn't like a cave or anything. Yeah. <laughs> and every room was herb themed. So you'd have a green basil room or a purple lavender room so they were really into the herbs as you can guess it, but it was the same wherever we went there was um another place we went in a village called oh, i'm gonna have to spell it g-o-r-j-u-s-e gorgeous maybe gorgeous <laughs> gorgeous yeah <laughs> which is a 30 minute drive from lake bled which is probably the oh. most famous part of Slovenia lake bled yeah. is, is and one of the most stunning places i've ever been extremely romantic it's very ethereal Exactly. This place is just 30 minutes from there. And uh, we stayed in a farmstead there, which I'd really, really recommend uh, in, instead of staying in a big hotel. Mm. You can stay in a farmstead or a homestead and they're run by locals and they're usually very ba- basic. So don't expect a telly even. <laughs> but, you don't um, need a telly when you've got no, all of that no, countryside. Was, <laughs> this place was amazing because uh, it was like a log cabin really and there was donkey paddock outside and... Um, an alpine theme throughout and we arrived and there was this one bloke who was running it and for dinner we were expecting I don't know a couple of slices of ham or something (laughs) and he made the most astonishing and memorable feast for us Uh, it was I was just telling you some of the stuff we had we had um, home smoked trout with horseradish bread sauce um, soup made from mushrooms that he'd foraged that day in the wow. forage in the forest outside. Wild dandelion salad. They're, they're big into their dandelions. Yeah. Local olive oil, homemade strukli, which is rolled like stromboli, and it's layers of soft pastry and cream cheese, which you probably try. Lamb chops with almonds, locally shot deer, slow cooked wow. beef tomatoes. And that was for two of us. Gosh. And this this guy cooked the whole thing and we were sat there for about three hours. That's unbelievable. That's a, that's a standard when you stay at these homesteads. Yeah. So I would I would really, really recommend definitely. doing that. When I go back, I definitely will. Yeah, because I think um, they do a really good job of you know, knowing what they're good at. And mm. because they've got this, um, it's just like the ag- almost like agriturismo, isn't it? Mm. Um, rather than these big, because there aren't that many swanky hotels. There's some no. nice boutique hotels in Ljubljana, but I think you're better off kind of going for those because they really like make the most of like their surroundings, don't they? Yes. Because if you think about the position between like the Alps and the Adriatic and that just like lends itself to like all the local cuisine and the mm. produce that they have. Um, and like, I I just love the like real variety of like culinary influences they had and mm. the, the, what they do with that produce as well. And a really great place to see this all come together is, I don't know whether it was even started, because I think it was quite recently it started when you were there, but um, on a Friday in Ljubljana in the main square, Pogaka Square, um, they have a thing called Open Kitchen Market mm. and it's got a real like festival kind of atmosphere and you can go and graze on dishes and dr- drinks from all different um, farms or gourmet restaurants. Everyone kind of comes together. Um, and we tried like the amazing, because uh, Slovenia is famous for its pumpkin seed oil. Did you try that? 
That was delicious. Really, really vibrant and quite like toasty. Um, And then you had the olive oil as well. So it was always on every table. You could choose between your olive oil and your pumpkin seed oil. And I just thought that was a really nice, like little microcosm of um, the different influences. Um, Right. In the same vein, um, the thing that I remember most from that market was Kaiser. Mom. Oh, the uh, pancake. The Austrian stuff. pancake. Yes. Which Austria, oh, you did go? Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah. But it was in its infancy when we went. Yeah. But still, there was over 50 stalls when we went. But that's the thing that's stuck in my mind, the shredded pancakes. Yeah, because actually I I met somebody whose husband uh, runs that stall because oh. um, they've got like a farmstead that her family-owned little hotel outside of Ljubljana. Um, and I was quite surprised by yeah everybody goes apparently it's like even though it's an Austrian dish yeah it she said oh that is something you need to to eat when you're in Slovenia yeah. and I love that how it's like it's like when you have curry in like on Brick Lane in yes. London yeah it's all the must. influences yeah yeah um oh it's nice I didn't know you tried that yes I did <laughs> I, can't, I remember it five years on so it must have been yeah good. it must have been good yeah I remember <laughs> it two months on <laughs> um and something else we tried, which I thought was really interesting, is like you get to try all of the local gins and things. And we had a really nice uh, gin called Broken Bones, which is quite famous. I think it's won a quite a few awards over there. And that was distilled with linden flowers and rosehip from Slovenia's cast region. Oh, wow. So um, they do that a lot of that as well, don't they? Distilling yes, spirits. Making and, their own. Yeah. yeah. We had the their basil liquor that I mentioned, which was extremely hardcore. And made one of us quite heady. <laughs> um, apart from that, though, I think the the main memories were, were the wine. Yeah, absolutely. Especially at a place called Gotche, which is in the Vipava Valley. And I, I would really recommend it. It's such a tiny place. It's all winding streets, stone houses, painted shutters, quite Italianate. And you've got the Dolomites in the background. Wow. Yeah. So it's really picturesque. And there's a, um, a house and cellar there called Ketch Kotova. All of this is on <laughs> olivemagazine.com and our Slovenian guy. And uh, there's a family there called the Me- Mezesnel family. And they've been make- making wine there since forever. And their cellar is 700 years old. And there's wow. 75 wine cellars in Gotche, which is the t- tiny, tiny, tiny place. So it's their bread and butter, really. And they make... Um, you can just pop in. It's very informal. You can pop in and visit this house and cellar and they'll show you around. And you can try their Ribola, their Pinella, their Cabernet Sauvignons. Um, and I think the most memorable thing for us was their dessert wine. It was 12 years old and it tasted of um, sort of smoky prunes. Mm. And the the guy showing us around told us that it tasted like that because his neighbour had a broken chimney at the time. Really? And all the um, sort of wood, wood fire smoke. Yeah came in and saturated his cellar and it gave the dessert wine a smoky oh, characteristic very unique yeah, if fine. anything yeah this is, <laughs> turn this a negative works. into a positive yeah that that was that was a phantom we took some of that home did you try many orange wines or yeah so we we did try quite a lot of orange i really liked the orange wine there i think they so We'd heard that um, orange wine was like the thing to drink there, but actually I found out from a wine bar that that was just a lot of 
wine cellars in a particular region of Spania um, decided to make something unique and to get them on the map and right. things. And so they were like, right, let's make orange wine our, our thing. thing yeah. um, but for people who don't know what that is, what, what what is orange wine? What does it taste like generally? It's um, They really, really vary um, because you've got the like... You can get like really minerally ones, but also you can get more raisiny ones. But often, like I don't like to say that it's like rosé because people say, "Oh, it's similar to rosé." But um, it's a lot more. Often you can get more funky ones. They have a lot of natural orange wines, so you can get like quite that farmyardy taste. Mm -hmm. um, but we had a really nice, very light minerally one, Malvasia one, which was lovely at a place called Tabar. Um, which specializes in Slovenian small plates, and they have a like really really impressive orange wine list. So if you want to to go and try some Slovenian wines, you should just go there and just literally work your way through the menu, which which we did. Mm -hmm. um, and there's another great bar which is quite new again called Sukleje, and they offer. 200 bottles from Slovenia, I wow. think around 200 bottles from Slovenia, which as they don't export loads of wine. I've, I've seen it crop up in London on quite a few menus, Slovenian wine recently. Um, and I've, I've always really liked it um, before going there. Um, and they, the grapes like include like Fruity Sauvignon Blanc from the northeast, and then you've got the southwest rounded and woody Rebola Epoca we had, which was really delicious. And then they have um, their own vineyard actually in the southeast, um, which I'd like to visit. We didn't get a chance to, um, but that they had a really nice blue Frankish, which was bursting with like leathery notes and red currant aromas, and so there was just. There's so much to try. Um, so, yeah, I definitely had a sore head for quite a lot of the trip, <laughs> but it was def all in the name of tasting and journalism. being professional. <laughs> yes. Um, but something else that I noted that we've we've actually touched on a lot is um, the influence from neighbouring uh, Italy. Mm. Because I think, again, if you think of Slovenia... I think what maybe come to mind is the more Alpine Eastern European cuisine, mm -hmm. whereas it's got a small but um, very it's still very much there border with Italy. We had some of like the best gelato I've ever had in Slovenia, yeah. which we were so surprised about because um, I've been to Italy like a lot of times, so many times, and had amazing gelato but we went to a shop called Vigo which has queues going all the oh, way to the famous there. team yes, yeah I isn't it that. it's amazing yeah. and um we had a really great their their um, signature one is called the Vigo and it has it's like a combination of fresh mascarpone with chocolate hazelnuts and Nutella which was oh, amazing but also we had a vegan gelato which yeah. was because I was the person I was traveling with was a vegan yeah. And um, I actually preferred the vegan one to the mm. not vegan one. And it was an amazing rich dark chocolate because often you can get vegan like dark chocolate ice cream. And it was laced with like uh, this really aromatic dried pieces of orange, which is just a really nice grown up addition. Wow. Yeah. Stick around to hear even more reasons to eat and drink your way around Slovenia. Did you try much like Italian? Starfish. Um, 
well, I know you tried you tried some good pizzas, didn't you? Oh yeah. I think I think perhaps it's more more evident in Ljubljana. Um, we did drive through Italy three times to get to one restaurant, which um, you've you've probably heard of, Hissa Franco. Oh yes, uh, which which is um, is that owned by the Anna Anna Ross? Yes, yes. yes. Uh, its head chef is Anna Ross, and she was named world's best female chef in 2017 by the world's 50 best restaurants academy. Maybe that means she's the world's best chef. Full stop. <laughs> yes, uh, we'll go into that. Pizza <laughs> uh, Franco is right on the Italian border, so it's impossible not to be influenced by oh, it. Wow. It's a really um, it's a really unique place. It's got rich red wall, red walls, Persian rugs, antique furniture, a big birch tree in the middle. Oh, but it's also really uh, the food's very formal, but it's very informal place. There was a dog there when I went, and uh, some child running around. So it wasn't, you know, black tie no. type place. And it was, it was just such inventive food. Um, Again, using things like wild herbs, flowers, nuts, mushrooms. They all came from within walking distance of the restaurant, which is literally plonked in the middle of a, of a forest. At least it feels like that. Oh, wow. To a visitor. Sounds like my kind of place. You're just in the middle of a forest. Um, you, you need a car to get there, really, I, th- I think. But perhaps there's another way. But um, Anna, her aim really is to cook and serve her ingredients on the same day that they're picked to wow. maintain freshness, obviously. Very hard um, to... The, Keep that up. Yeah, I, you'd have thought. Um, but even the bread, for example, is made from fermented apples instead of yeast wow. because the fermented apples can be sourced locally, whereas the yeast can't. So she's really strict. That's exceptional commitment. It is it? an exceptional commitment. I think it's just in her blood. Uh, it has the sort of bitter tang of a sourdough and um, it's served with whipped butter and it's obviously it's delicious yes but... anything butter related yeah <laughs> butter always always adds something um and the kind of food we had there sort of these paper thin cheese wafers made from raw cow's milk um asparagus tempura with celery cream um Colourful bowls of beetroot sunchokes, which I'm afraid I hadn't even heard of. Sunchokes? No, I've never heard of. What are those? Slovenia. A a, a regular salad ingredient over there, apparently. Just something that grew in the background. I didn't try that when I was there. Tiny meadow plants and and snails, and like a melting egg yolk. We had langoustines from the Slovenian coast. We had sheep cottage cheese. We had locally caught trout with pink grapefruit and salsify cream. Uh, we had roebuck that had just been shot. <laughs> wow. It was amazing. <laughs> we came, I think I put on a, I think it was nearly a stone in two weeks. Actually, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> because amazing. Because we, ate, we, ate, we were eating at places like this every day, yeah. twice a day. And you want to try now, with the whole like tasting this, menu. You want to try absolutely everything. Um, but yeah, she's she's big news now. So if you're visiting yeah, definitely. Sevilla and you're lucky enough to have a higher car, and a designated driver. Yes. Then Hisa Franco is, is an absolute must. And funnily enough, her parents own um, something called Nebessa, which is Slovenian for heaven, I think. And it, uh, you'd have loved it, Alex, because it was it's almost like a retreat. It's, I think, 900 metres above sea level. Yeah, 900 metres above sea level. You have to go up this really windy, terrifying mountain road to get there. And it's sort of four modern chalets I guess on stilts with these massive windows that overlook this really steep valley 
and uh, glass-fronted saunas. Oh wow, that sounds it's, like my cup of tea. It's sort of extreme isolation in a way. They, they, their owners are on site. There's no restaurant, um, but there's this 24-hour pantry that you can just help yourself to. Anytime. And I can imagine day. that's very well stocked with yes, as, local as much as you want, and it's got things like um, local prosciutto. And cheeses, bread, cake, fruit. I mean, what more do you need? Mm. Local, locally made beer. Local, they they own red and white wine that they, they manage to make up in nine hundred meters above sea level. Uh, it's it's just like um, some kind of Zen retreat. Wow. It was quite spiritual, spiritual actually, being that high above everything. Yeah. It? it was silent. We can we all we could hear was a cuckoo pretty much for the for three days that we were there. Gosh. It's amazing. But they are the parents of Anna, Anna. who owns Hisa Franco. Well, you can see how she has become like, the world's best yes, yeah, with that, chef. Because, that kind of yeah. Can you imagine just like forage? She's probably foraged for stuff since she was yes. like born. Yes. And they're, they're, it's very close to Hisa Franco, so you could um, you could even stay at Nibeta and, and maybe go to dinner at Hisa Franco. Maybe that's the, the idea behind it. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's funny that. <laughs> um well i don't yeah i think we probably don't have lots of time left so um i can't recommend enough going to lovely there there is so much more that i haven't spoken about like Mm. the the amazing pizza with um a with slovenian suckling pig like on the top with porchetta and everything very posh but um still quite rustic and the the environment's great and um yeah, it's like Neapolitan style like with a blistered crust and oh I could God, talk about it for wow. ages. And then they have amazing like coffee bars because um, everywhere now has their little hipster coffee scene. But um, yeah, I was quite surprised to see it there. And they have an amazing bakery called, uh, oh gosh, I've forgotten the name now, Picana, Picana on Osen, I think. Um, and yeah, it... That's amazing for their local bread and they just make everything in front of you. And amazing brunch places, like and also you can get you can get your sausage, you can get your famous <laughs> Slovenian sausage as well. So so do look at the guide online, both um my Ljubljana guide, um, which is on olivemagazine.com and Charlotte's rural Slovenia guide. Yeah. So they uh, pair quite nicely. Thank so you. yeah. And if anybody has any questions, then you can just let us know on Twitter yes. or uh, Facebook or Instagram. I think we should move there, Alex. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the city, you'll be the country. Yeah. We can visit each other. Yeah, sounds good. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can still pick up a copy of our July issue on the newsstand now or go and download the app version. Bye for now and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat. Thank you.